Hey folks, Ben Ballas here from First of the Floor. Just wanted to add a quick production note to point out that we did have some technical difficulties with this one. It's not our usual standard of audio quality, but we managed to salvage enough to piece the podcast together for you guys. We'll bounce back in the next one. Until then, enjoy this slightly lower quality podcast. The Boston Celtics almost gave it away at the end, as is tradition, it seems, through the second half of this season, but they managed to pull out a much-needed victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Marcus Smart showed some signs of life, Jason Tatum shooting did not, and Jalen Brown was crazy awesome yet again. All of that and more next on First of the It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's the first time we've seen a superstar in pink and white sacrifice the body. Welcome in to another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Joining us for this one, as he often does, Mr. Wade Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Uh, I feel like that was the definition of a win is a win. So oh, yes. I'm feeling good. Hey, look, look at the bright side. Uh, you know, glass half full. Three and four in our last four, right? Not so bad. Not so bad. Three and one. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy to say out loud. Uh, and of one. course, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the man with the mistress, Jake Eisenberg. What's up, Jake? Welcome back. Feeling good. Feeling good. Hotels are, you know, plentiful with rooms this weekend. So um, with a back-to-back coming up, that's important on the road. Absolutely. Uh, all right, look, we're going to talk some some T-Wolves game. We're going to talk some trends, good and bad, heading into the playoffs. We're going to talk some Gallo. What? Yes, Gallo may be nearing a return and potentially the Time Lord as well. But first, the Celtics, they win 104 to 102 against those pesky Timberwolves. Jalen Brown, 35 points, 10 boards and 15 points in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum, less efficiently so, 22 points, 12 rebounds, but 14 of 16 from the free throw line. Spoonie, main takeaways from this one. Yeah, I, uh, I, it was ugly, but I actually thought it was a really encouraging win in a lot of ways. I thought the defense finally looked good in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, Anthony Edwards is unguardable when he's feeling it, and you know, we we blew a few switches. I think there was a couple times Edwards got to his pull-up three behind the pick and roll uh, with Brogdon and Al um, defending it, and Brogdon thought they were going to switch, and Al thought they were in drop, and he kind of walked into a couple wide-open pull-up threes. I think it was four, four or four on pull-up threes to go into halftime. But other than that, man, I thought it was really crisp, and, you know, Missoula was talking about the margins, the margins. You know, it's his buzzword of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job collecting themselves after a disappointing win against Houston and bringing it against a good team, despite neither team could throw it in the ocean. I mean, that was that was like a college game at some points with how nobody could shoot, so... Uh, I, I overall, I if they get that type of defensive performance and just energy level performance, and their sharp shots start, their shots start dropping. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired, man. It's March Madness. I've it's been a weird a season. It day. is March. <laughs> so uh, if the shots start falling again. I think they're going to be very difficult to beat. I think that was kind of. Uh, I, I hope this is sort of the wave, the beginning of the wave we see with them getting back to their best basketball. Yeah, Jake. They they tried. That right. was awesome. How good was that? Like, 
It's almost as simple as Jason Tatum defended really hard, but one of my favorite parts about Jason Tatum's season has been his rebounding. Like he's turned into like a legitimate power forward rebounder. And yesterday was a perfect example of him really like going after defensive rebounds. Um, we did let a, let a few offensive rebounds in late, um, but throughout the game, and that's when, like, when the shots aren't falling, that's what we love so much about Tatum and, and why the advanced metrics love him so much is because of his all-around game and how that impacts winning. So when he's defending and when he's defensive rebounding, I my theory is like the threes often go in when he's doing those things. Not the case. Nope. Not the case <laughs> at all um, last night. But... The fact they were able to win this game, um, the, the Timberwolves shot poorly, but like, they were 33% from three, better than we were. There is some referee hand-wringing going on on the timeline. Uh, Grant Williams' jump ball was a little... <laughs> hey, man. We got some timeout off, though. Like, yeah. Also, Ru- Rudy Gobert, the last two-minute report said that his foot was out of bounds when he forced that jump ball in the first okay. So it's all a moot point. Right, perfect. Um, yeah, no, the uh, it was it was an ugly game, but it was good to see that even if they would have lost, it was like at least they turned up. And like sometimes the threes aren't going to go in, but we saw the the ball movement was back. Like they looked a lot more like themselves. And it's mm. just like you, you can have a bad shooting night, but if you're doing the other things, at least it's going to give yourself a chance to win. Not only was it giving them a chance to win, they were up like 13. If they were able to just like hit one or two shots, that, that lead gets pretty close to 20. And, you know, we, we don't have to like lose another 12 months from our total life expectancy. Um, <laughs> that actually happens, but alas, that's, yeah. not how, that's not how it works. Yeah, I, I guess the for me, the most positive takeaway was that there were signs of life from the Celtics yeah. in this particular game. And they almost threw it all away at the end of the game by giving up again way too many offensive rebounds and giving up way too many extra possessions and just almost like pissing the game down their leg. But we've seen a few different iterations of the Celtics so far this year. We've seen the make fucking everything Celtics of November. We've seen subsequently the find a way to win Celtics, which uh, sort of existed for a longer stretch. And then we've seen the bed shitting Celtics of, of weeks past. And this was at least a throwback to the find a way to win Celtics, where despite shooting, what, 30% flat from three, 40% overall from the field, not great, yet finding a way to win and somewhat through their defense and maybe a little bit of you know, under the table um, dealership with the with the referees there. Um, but finding a way to win despite the poor shooting, a lot of the conversation recently has been, look, these Celtics, they're overrated, particularly from non-Celtics fans. If their threes aren't going in, they're not going to win. And so to, have to win a game in this fashion, like the find a way to win Celtics, I think Chris Forsberg, our buddy there, coined that phrase. Um, that's really promising. Uh, on a more granular level, I thought that our guards did a really good job when switched on to Rudy Gobert, limiting him. Like, I don't know what his average shot attempts are on the season, but just eight shots from Rudy Gobert, like clearly the biggest guy with the most advantageous, you know, post positions in this game. Like he got Malcolm Brogdon under the bucket a couple of times. He got Jalen Brown, Derek White under the bucket a couple of times. And the strength of our guards alone, let alone the help that did eventually come was enough oftentimes to, to limit Gobert to just 15 points and what, six rebounds, which is just one crazy, offensive rebound, which yeah, is the wild. biggest number for me. I mean, that's where he gets so much of his offense is when you switch on to Gobert, you know, with a guard like Derek White or Brogdon or 
uh, even Tatum was like his primary defender yeah. for large swaths of this game. Spicy. He will get those offensive rebounds. And we did such a good job boxing him out. And Smart did. I mean, say what you want about Marcus Smart shooting. He was boxing Rudy Gobert out like a monster that entire game to the point at one point he got a foul for it, which is a was a very weak foul, I think, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we did a great job on Gobert, didn't we, man? Uh, like he's just. Have fun paying him $50 million for the next couple of years, oh, Minnie. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, now, look, the fact that they're so solid without, like, you know, part of their cap being assigned to a dude that is just so ineffective on, on one end. I've never seen a player quite like him before. Like, once it goes down there, and Scal's on it too, as, ever, as everybody screaming at home, like, do not send help. Like, yep. don't let your brain be tricked by the fact that he's seven foot two and he has Derek White on him. Like, there's no reason to send help. He's going to throw some absolute junk at the rim and he's got to be ready to rebound. Like, he, he, his inability to punish small defenders is incredible. He seems to be a member of the Trey Young, like, unlikable all-star team as well like yeah. there seems to be a lot of, of uh disdain for Rudy Gobert across the roster for the Celtics just as they were was recently for Trey Young maybe we can have some fun in the offseason building out uh what the rest of that team looks Loved like <laughs> um you mentioned Spoonie earlier did we win on the margins um Yes and no. So rebounding, no assists, no but steals, blocks, turnovers. Yes. And then it's kind of a wash as far as like second chance points and points in the paint and things like that. But I think any game where you finish, especially these Celtics right now, single digit turnovers, uh, absolutely huge uh, in in um, winning this game. And here's what Joe Mazzulla had to say after this one. Looked like you were trying to get a timeout there. Yeah, don't ever say I didn't call one. <laughs> Listen, it, it's honestly, just because we won doesn't mean I feel that much better. I thought we fouled too much in the third quarter. And, you know, it, we gave up some timely offensive rebounds. And so I thought our physicality and our like, competitive nature was about a 10. And we just have to continue to execute the margins um, in, in clutch situations. You know, so we won most of them tonight. I was shooting them at the free throw line, turnovers, offensive rebounds. Um, you know, we just have to have timely execution on those margins. Just when we think we've captured everything like thematically from this season, the margins, suddenly it's the margins. Margins. Uh, and any thoughts from, from you, Jake, as far as, you know, Joe's takeaways from this one or, or just any sort of, you know, overarching themes from this particular game? He's 100% right. Like these years that are sha- like being shaved off of our lives are very, very attributable to the offensive rebounds that happen with five minutes to go in a close game or the rebounds that turn it into a close game. Like I can see PJ Tucker in my nightmares right now, <laughs> swooping in in game seven and in game six, just like getting these offensive rebounds because no one puts a body on him. Like I'm 100% with Joe. They did a great job boxing out for the most part. But you know when the most important time of the game to box out is? With five minutes to go. And like that's when, you know, there's no more crucial time. How many times has Marcus Smart swooped in for a crucial offensive rebound with a few minutes to go? Like you you cannot have those happen and that's how you end up with close games. I like that this has become a focus for him because I think it was a massive strength of the team um, throughout the season. Um, You know, we've we've heard – 
best defensive rebounding team in the league. Um, before, you know, and people thinking, oh, that's Rob. He's, he's so good at defensive rebounding and that's why. But pre-Rob coming back, like when he was out for the first few months, we were six in the league in defensive round rebounding. Like there was a team commitment. I thought Jalen was having um, – Jalen and Jason were both having their best rebounding seasons, um, most impactful rebounding seasons. When you have Al Horford out there, it needs to be – a team commitment. Like yep. it's not on like of course how we want him to get on the boards, but like it's not a f- reasonable expectation to have him clean up all the defensive rebounding at this point in his career, especially when it was something he was never elite at. So it needs to be something that they continue all the way to the end. Not when it feels like the game's in within reach all the way through so we can live a little bit longer. Please. <laughs> any any thoughts, Spoonie, on that? Yeah, I um, I just, you know, we tied them for offensive rebounds. They only had two in the fourth quarter. It felt like 100, but they it were did. two. It was only two? It was only That's two, but it was two it. very, very big ones. Um, and Kyle Anderson had four of them, uh, like four wow. of their he eight offensive rebounds. Yeah, he was great. He was excellent, uh, but he could not stay in front of Jalen Brown, which was nah. nice. Uh but as far as Joe hinting at like, hey, crunch time was a problem, we this was the worst of the Celtics once it hit five minutes. They slowed the pace, and that's what the the Timberwolves want you to do because they can set Gobert down in the paint, you slow the pace, and then they can have him help on any drives. And we just kind of played into their hands, and we let them walk back into this game. I mean, Edwards hit some stuff in that fourth quarter that you know you're just are indefensible uh because he's just a great player man and he's he's very fun to watch uh so i would i would have liked us to continue playing with pace uh we weren't making a ton of shots but everything we were doing like those quick actions get jalen brown on a pin down get him going to the rim i mean that they couldn't stop it right because they were just having mcdaniels one-on-one tatum and we were trying to run actions to get You know, it's like the two-man game with Tatum and Smart to get Tatum with Conley on him. But McDaniels is doing such a – I mean, he was probably fouling Tatum a few times on some of these picks he was trying to set. But, I mean, push come to shove, like you're you're taking 15 seconds off the shot clock to get McDaniels not even off Tatum because he's doing such a good job like hedging the screen or, or, you know, just grabbing him at times that they weren't calling – uh, and there was just some very bad possessions. It was just such a slowdown. I'd like to see us like just the offense hasn't been working this game, but uh, it was getting Jalen Brown into these great positions. And then we just completely go away from it in those last last five minutes. And mm-hmm. it's just like, why? I don't mm-hmm. understand why he was un- like they couldn't guard him all game. He's got Kyle Anderson on him the whole game. He lights him up for 35 points. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's go to Tatum with one of the best wing defenders in the league on him. Yeah. yeah. The offensive foul that Tatum committed on the screen, trying to get it off as well. It was, which is very obvious. Didn't think that was a bad call at all. It was like, let's just run. Let Marcus initiate, let Jalen initiate. Let's get the offense moving. And then Tatum can catch it. Like after after the ball's moving, we don't need to just have Tatum like isoing from the top when he's been so cold, especially the last couple of games. Like Jalen Brown has been unreal. Like going back to the Rockets game when, when we're calling for Jalen Brown to get the last shot, like 
it's okay for Tatum to not be the one taking the, the, the shots in the last five minutes. Like this man is on fire, unstoppable yeah. right now. And I've, I've, I spoke about it the other day. It's like, if you're up, you know, with, with a few minutes to go, it's okay to take some time off. When you run your offense, like you run it fast. <laughs> Why does it feel like they're just moving in slow all motion, man? Unreal. So like, and that, and like, the, the heat game seven game like that's always going to be the first thing that comes to my mind it's like just play the way you got the lead for 90 more seconds and the game's over like i don't understand yeah michael jordan i mean <clears throat> excuse me Jalen brown uh has just <laughs> no, you had it right <laughs> absolutely incredible and like i mean we unfortunately if you're watching on youtube i was about to make a joke about do we really know that it's not michael jordan but we can see him now with the mask off so clearly it's Jalen brown um nonetheless like i i hope that in a couple of weeks or in the playoffs we're talking about wasn't it great that that Jalen Brown led the way in terms of being locked in such that the rest of the team subsequently followed? And I talked about earlier, we, we did see signs of life in this game, albeit not for a full full 48 minutes. Jalen Brown has been locked in like this for the last week or so. He's had an incredible week. And I, I hope that the rest of the team follows suit. And it's a really good showing and sign of leadership for Jalen Brown that he is he's playing in this particular way when there's a, a general malaise across the rest of the roster. But, you know, the, the way that Jalen Brown is finding like pockets to get into the lane and to score and to do essentially everything and, and to drive relentlessly despite having a literally broken face uh, is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, he's been so much fun to watch and we have to give kudos to this man because without him playing, you know, some of his best basketball of his career right now, like we're not looking at like any wins recently at all which is terrifying to say but absolutely truthful spoonie any other thoughts on on jalen's game so far i feel like we need to give him at least another couple more minutes to give him credit it, it just feels like the mix um between mid-range driving open threes it's like you you can't guard him at this point like if he if he's making his threes there's nothing you can do because his first step is so incredibly quick and he's so strong when he gets into those mid-range areas and his footwork is on another level this year. Like that one yes. move he had on Gobert, yes. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. He pivoted like six times so good. and then laid it off oh, like the dude, top corner of the glass. Like Michael Jordan. even Scal's like, how did he make that shot? I mean, like, what do you do with this dude, man? And, you know, Kyle Anderson for his own right is a pretty damn good perimeter defender. And I mean, Jalen embarrassed him all night. So, um, you know, he's got to get the free throws back in order a little bit. I think it was like five of eight last night. But other than that, like, thank God Jalen's been playing this way because we, we, you know, this could be real trouble. But, you know, despite all the terribleness, I believe we're six and five after the all-star break. And, you know, we're talking like the sky's falling. The Nuggets just lost four in a row. You know yeah. what I mean? Like imagine to the Pistons as yeah, we speak. <laughs> and there might be five. So, so um, Jalen Brown has kept us afloat in a lot of ways. And just the way he opens up the offense for other guys, maybe not with his passing, but with the pressure he puts on a defense just by being on the floor is so incredibly valuable. And, you know, I hope his jump shots coming back a little bit because I think he's only shooting like 33% from three this year. And if he can get that right for the playoffs, man, whew, not sure there's a number two I'd rather have in the league. 
this is why the Celtics are so good. Like when yeah. Tatum does have a slump, which is kind of what he's in right now. Like if you f- kind of rewind another two games, the Atlanta and Portland games were pretty high level. So it hasn't been, you know, speaks to how good Tatum is, is it? Um, the slumps are also peppered with like MVP caliber games at the same time. But Jalen, since the All-Star break, 11 games, 28, 7, 3.7 assists on 50, 38, and 76. Like the three balls definitely come back, right? Like yeah. 38. It's absurdly good. Yeah. Like he's been so, so, so good. Um, and that Cleveland game that, they, that Grant Williams missed the free throws in, um, it sucks it, obviously because they lost, but like that game just kind of being lost a little bit because he that like that just speaks to how how locked in and how much he's willing to put on the line for the Celtics right now. Like I forgot to mention 39.1 minutes over the last 11 games. Like he's, he's unloading the tank right now to, to keep the Celtics rolling. Um, and we just need, need the rest of the boys to, to follow suit. But I love this from Jalen. He's, he's been speaking about it in the, in the uh, press conferences. And I think that, t- you know, Tatum at least played the right way and brought the same energy. Um, the shot might not be falling right now, but as long as you can, if he's, you know, inspiring kind of how like smart dad did in his prime, right? In his prime, um, in his soon to be prime coming back. Um, when he's leading the, the charge by like diving on the floor, getting steals. When, when Jalen's like out in transition and dunking on people, like that invigorates, invigorates the team. He's been getting in passing lanes, averaging 1.6 steals over this stretch as well. Like playing, like when he's, Maybe it's the mask. He's like a little extra camouflage, but he's Dialed able to in. like he's just he's sneaking around, sneaking around, getting extra steals, uh, getting that in transition. But you, you can't it, you can't really overstate how good Jalen's been over this stretch. And when you think about going into the playoffs, I'm not worried about Tatum. But when you see Jalen's three ball come back, um, the turnovers come down a little bit, the defense ramp up. You're like, okay, here we go. And and real quick, you know, Tatum didn't play his best game, but I feel like there was a maturity to how he played. He took eight fewer shots than Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. When when is the last time something like that's? I mean, that's a ton of shots. Eight. Um, so he kind of conceded to Jalen. Other than kind of that last ugly stretch in the fourth quarter, it's like you're cooking, man. I'm just gonna play off ball, make the right pass, and you do your thing. Now, Spoonie, I happen to know that you have prepared some Jason Tatum statistical gold for us, some analytical gold. So, uh, over to you, good sir. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're talking about Tatum being in sort of a downswing, and it's actually kind of been a gradual downswing from January 1st. So, to start the season to December 31st, his true shooting percentage was over 61%, which is elite, especially on his volume, incredibly elite. Since January 1 to now, his true shooting's down to 58.6. Still good, still above league average, like not bad on his volume at all. But I really think it's about, not that he's just like missing shots or something like that. It's about where he's getting the ball and his role in the offense. And I think that goes to the offense always pops when Marcus Smart's on the floor. And that's because he operates as the primary ball handler a lot. And when Smart's not at his best or he's out, Tatum has to take on a lot of that load. So his assists are actually up that first chunk of the season. He was only averaging four assists. 
He's up to five and a half since January 1st, which sounds great, but you've got to counter that with the drop in efficiency, right? So he's down in paint touches, Tatum is. He's down in post, or rather, he's down in paint touches and he's down in elbow touches. He's literally the most efficient post-up player in the NBA right now. He's (laughs) the second most efficient on points per, per elbow touch, right? So if he gets an elbow touch, only Kevin Durant is more efficient than him. Jesus. Yeah, so he's had to absorb more of that primary ball handler possessions where he's running pick and roll and stuff. And do you remember at the beginning of the year, we were talking about like, oh, Tatum's off ball more. He's getting into these pin downs. I mean, like how many like, those weak side pin downs where he'd come off two picks and get the ball on the run and he'd just get his way to the rim. Did we see? We're not seeing any of that now. They're running it for Jalen, but Tatum's the one passing it to him. So we're putting Tatum in a position where he's asked to effectively run the offense a lot more and not he's not being put in these positions where he can score or get in these efficient spots on the court where he's essentially unguardable um, on like the nail free throw line extended at the free throw line. Like we do it against zone, but we do don't do it consistently when we're playing against man. But at the beginning of the year we were, and he was having the most efficient season of his career scoring 31 points a game. And now he's just under 30 and not as efficient. And he's taking a lot, you know, he's taking one more pull up three a game, which doesn't sound like a lot, but over the course of a season, Season, he's shooting them so poorly. You're trading efficient possessions for inefficient ones. So now that Smart's back, I'd like to see us get back to Jason Dumb off-ball dynamo. Like, I don't care about his assists anymore. Like, get him back to post-ups, you know, elbow touches. Get him as the, the role man. Like, we've see, we see that here and there. But when Smart's not as dynamic as he was at the beginning of the season, it just doesn't work as well. Um, and actually, last night we were seeing Tatum as the ball handler and Smart as the role man, which works okay, but it's it's not the same. Like Tatum is such a weapon when he catches in that high post area, and we just got to get back to that now that Smart's healthy. And I think we'll see his efficiency dial back up. And then once he's comfortable, right? We always say he gets to the rim, he gets easy baskets, then his shooting comes. Um, and instead, it seems like he's trying to shoot himself into games, which just never works, man. It really doesn't. He's shooting himself out of games. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, like harking back to signs of life, I thought we saw Marcus Smart maestroing, for lack of a better term, a little bit more in this game. He was a little bit more, you know, uh, pure point guard, pass first, you know, some catch and shoot attempts, but like less forcing it until the fourth quarter, which we'll get to, which we absolutely really needed on top of Grant Williams' heroics there. Um, and we did see at least one Jason Tatum uh, post up. It was more low post. It was less of that high post, um, but he did he did finish well out of that look. And I think it was Marcus Smart who set him up for that. So, again, yeah, signs of life. Like we are seeing, I, I believe, a shift back to that. And it's like, I know that... I know that Joe Mazzola used the, the sandcastle analogy, but it's, to me, it's more like, okay, okay, we've got to replant the seeds and that, that tree is not going to shoot up in a day. 
but we're starting to see the little seedlings, the little sprouts happening. I think we started <laughs> to see some sprouting in this game where we started to see a, a shift back to that Marcus Smart conducting of the orchestra. And out of that, um, it bore out some, some better looks from Jason Tatum. Yeah, look, there was just a storm. Like some of the trees, we have to like, you know, cut off some of the dead branches and stuff, but the the, the roots are still on the ground. We lost the a tr- season of crops. <laughs> exactly. Look, the trunk, the, the, the infrastructure, the foundations of the best team in the NBA are still intact. Still intact. Look, we had, you know, some Marcus Smart injury, Rob's out, you know, just general doldrums like these- this just like nature, you, they're, they're inevitable. And yeah, exactly right. You get everybody together. The sun's shining now. We're out on the West Coast. Um, <laughs> it's, it's good. We're going we're gonna to get, get everything back on track. We had 10 three-point attempts per game for Tatum over the past 11. This, this, this wrist question, I've seen this popping up more on Twitter the last couple of days. And it always just seems to come up when Tatum's not playing well. I don't. I don't feel like the wrist is a like is a reason for his struggles right now. Like, you know, when he goes six for ten from three for, against Portland a couple of games ago, does that just mean the wrist was feeling better that day? Like the the the, the finishing throughout the season's been been good. Like it feels far more like a process thing than it does an injury thing when you watch Tatum's good games versus bad games like right now. So. Yeah, the post-up stuff, like, you know, a lot of the first plays of the game, you know, we run pin downs for for Al to shoot a three or stuff like that, which is fine. But, like, over the first few minutes, like, let's let's get Tatum going downhill and get these these post-touches. Like, he obviously wants to shoot the threes, but let's kind of, like, take that decision out of his hands for him and... Like, you know, have a cheeky word to to Marcus before games. Like, let's like and Marcus has gotten so good at kind of like running to a wing. He's 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 got it perfected with Jalen. And Jalen looks like he's coming off for a handoff and then just cuts baseline for the dunk. And Tatum actually, I thought, had a couple of nice off-ball cuts. And he had one perfect one, but Rudy Gobert got it like his his seven foot eight um in there um to deflect it. But there was definitely a focus from a more of a focus from Tatum getting some easier looks off ball. So exactly, the the seeds are growing, we're recovering. Nature is healing. Well, on that particular cut from, from Jason Tatum, we do have a clip here to run. Pass and the flush, and Tatum takes a hard fall. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I mean, was this the most heart attack moment of the season for you guys? I actually wasn't worried at all. Do it. Wow. Gal <laughs> overreacted, so you know yeah, it was hard. I don't know. Really like, hard. It- Let's see if we can get the replay here. Here we go. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that hurt. That hurt, for sure. For one. That is a sick dunk. Yes. And the fact that That it was followed up, followed up immediately after the the Rudy Gobert. No one has ever looked less cool dunking and flexing than when Rudy Gobert did it. (laughs) Dunked on Derek White. He's like 6'3", bro. I know. That is not a flex. (laughs) Because do you think the reason that people got annoyed, I wasn't necessarily thinking it was the flex, but it was like he kind of like launched his feet into Derek. That was what I think pissed everybody off um, versus the flex. And I loved that Tatum in the post game was like, yeah, I had that. 
had that in I my, took that personally. My head. Yeah, I took that personally. <laughs> it was his last dance moment. Bear <laughs> was like out of control for a lot of this game, man. I feel like he was just flailing around. He elbowed Jalen at one point. It didn't look like he did it intentionally, but he was just like seemingly all over the place, uncomfortable. So. I fuck that guy. We can swear now. We're not yeah, we can. Fuck yeah. That guy. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> and then, and then Tatum got straight back up and did, you know, I do, I do a bit of, a bit of yoga and stretching myself. He got up and did like the downward dog, you know, hands to feet. That guy's limber, man. I'm, yeah, yeah. that guy is limber. I cannot relate to his durability. <laughs> like I played netball last night and I'm, I'm feeling it today, despite oh, yeah. doing a, a pretty serious stretching routine after the game. Tatum, Tatum is Tatum is built differently, as the kids say. You got to get to those dynamic warm ups, so like the jump squats, the jump oh, pistol squats, all that kind me. of stuff. The stretch to get into your late thirties, it's it's not enough. You need to have like a full hour of activity before the actual activity. I am a huge dynamic warm up guy. My and I stole some of their warm ups when me and Ben we saw the Team USA come to Australia. I got there early and yeah, I stole the whole routine. That's all the whole routine. It 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 helps a little bit. Now, uh, absolutely. I, I couldn't recommend it more. We, we're going to get to some more, um, I guess, individual shout outs from this game as we look to once again fail to do a succinct recap of a game and, and go half an hour on a pretty, you know, uh, meaningless March game. Um, interesting stat I found on Reddit as I was sort of digging for content was that uh, the Celtics, um, let me make sure I'm reading the right comment here. Basically, uh, they've had 33 games where they've shot. Uh, their season average from three, 37.6% or above. And in those games, they're 29 and four, um, which is to say, like, we don't need to shoot at an elite level to be successful. I know a lot of talk around the Celtics has been like they have to have to shoot 40 or more percent from three uh, in order to win a game. If they're not making all of their threes, then, you know, they've got no chance. Clearly, we just need to shoot our own average. And sure, our average is high because of that hot November that we had. But we can get away with shooting average for this team on a nightly basis and still being successful, incredibly successful, 29 and four. So I just wanted to maybe write the ship there as far as the the shooting narrative for the Celtics. Spoonie's Spoonie's got a little uh, grin going on here what do you, what do you, you got sh- mate? you got to shout out our guys tice and swim oh, jam on that come on we're man. so far away from being the celtics reddit podcast i'm completely rusty in that regard but of course <laughs> for our guys out, absolutely shout out tice 159 shout out squim jim for no other reason other than the fact that he's been on the pod before and he's in that thread so <laughs> yep. uh, absolutely shout out to you guys as far as other individual takeaways from this game so we hit the jays we hit marcus smart uh, I think Al Horford was incredible, and I think that he he helped reaffirm Carl Anderson's nickname, Slow Mo, a couple of times, where he was able to take him off the dribble a couple of times. He was able to follow Slow Mo to the rim and block him a couple of times. Um, I thought that Blake Griffin was incredible. I, I might run out uh, incredible uh, Blake Griffin highlight now. I can't wait to push the button on this. Do it. Seventy three sixty two Tatum. Over Griffin. Oh, yeah. For the floor. Sky. Griffin on the floor. Multiple now. Blake Griffin dunks. The rebound. <laughs> so good. Brogdon. Were they both lefty? They were. I think so. He's an expert dunker. Yeah. He is an expert dunker. So good to see. And, and not um, like blurred by losing the game, you know, to have those two gifts from Blake Griffin and the basketball gods and a win was incredible. Jake, any other notable 
individual performances in this game? Blake has been so much better than I could have ever hoped for this season. Like he's been legitimately very helpful in a lot of wins this year. Like, and he's kind of stolen Grant's minutes. Grant, I know he had the offensive rebound and he won the jump ball, but I just didn't think it was a very good Grant game again. No, like, you're, you're right. One, you are correct. One, <laughs> one, one play sticks out and it was just a closeout where he's like half closing out, jumping out was McLaughlin and McLaughlin just destroyed him on the closeout. And I'm like, you have to be able to stay in front of Lachlan. You have to. This is why you're on the court. And then we close with Grant over uh, Derek again. I know he gets the offensive rebound, but the offense from Grant right now, I don't know where we're going back and forth between getting his confidence back and not, but like the Grant saga is just ongoing every single game right now. And Blake's playing better than Grant. Like it's just, it's true. The problem is that I don't think that holds up in the playoffs. I thought Grant had an ugly game, but he was okay. Like, he had some ugly defensive possessions, but I thought he did pretty well a few times in isolation. He had Anthony Edwards on him a couple times, and I thought he held up okay. Um, and, you know, Blake Griffin, as Arini says in the chat, is the third best defensive player in the league, according to D-Raptor, which That's I choose to believe. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm hoping this is a confidence builder for Grant. I didn't think he did anything like destructive. You know, I mean, that the, the McLaughlin play was real bad. Scal <laughs> even called him out. He's like, That's what you're in the game for, dude, because you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I thought in the grand scheme of like how disastrous he's been recently, I thought this was a better defensive showing for Grant than it's been recently. So I'm hoping, you know, with the clutch plays, he can build on it a little bit. But, you know, all I have to say is, Chris Finch, thank you for taking out Nas Reed and putting in Rudy Gobert in crunch time. <laughs> yeah. If I was a Wolves fan, Nas I'd Reed be so... destroying us. Yeah. <laughs> like, crowdfund awesome. the buyout of Rudy Gobert's <laughs> yeah. salary at this point. If I was a Wolves fan, I would, that would be the campaign that I would be leading uh, out in the streets of Minneapolis there. It's insane. Nas Reed, so much better than Rudy Gobert. Like, in all facets of the game. And, uh, yeah, again, something that, that Scow called out. Gobert goes out. Oh, sorry. Gobert comes in. Nas Reed goes out. And it's like, Scal's like, really? Like, how long are they going to do this Thank for? God. <laughs> yeah. Totally bore out in the Celtics. But um, Grant Williams, like, stealing the the tip, the, the jump ball there. Kind of the quintessential Grant Williams experience. Like, just, like, doing weird shit and getting away with it. Um, I thought that was kind of an incredible way for him to, um, like, endear himself and redeem himself in the eyes of Celtics fans. Because that and, and the offensive rebound that he got, I think, just prior to that was uh, absolutely essential for the, the in securing this game. So, however you feel about Grant Williams, like, he, we needed him in this particular one, which is nice to be able to say. Because, you know, recently it's been we've needed him to be on the bench in order for us to be successful. So having him out there <laughs> doing something that we need is um, is a nice takeaway. The other individual takeaway uh, or performance that I want to shout out, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, 12 points. Uh, yeah, he finished a minus six. Not everyone finished with a positive plus minus in this game, but in the Rockets game as well. And really since the All-Star break, I feel like Malcolm Brogdon has just been like particularly solid 
off the bench, less defensive mistakes, quite good at, at getting to the room. And his three ball is back to going down again. Like he's just sort of back to like a really essential top seven player for the Celtics as we head into the playoffs. That's just really good to see him playing at, at this level. Booney, a- any other takeaways on Malcolm Brogdon there? I feel like he's been really good lately. Yeah, I, I thought Brogdon's rim pressure was huge in this game. It, it seemed like we were having a lot of trouble. He was not afraid of Gobe at all. Um, you know, sometimes you see a shot blocker like that, you're a little hesitant to get all the way to the rim. And Brogdon was just going at him. I mean, I, I was, I'm almost surprised to see he only had 12 points because he felt like he had a lot more. Um, but he was just getting all the way to the rim multiple times. I think he missed three bunnies, probably two bunnies that he should have he should have put in. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. the Brogdon, Brogger experience okay, does, right there. Does Scal not know that Malcolm Brogdon misses at the rim a lot? Like every I, time he misses at the rim, he's like, oh, that's you don't see that very much. I'm like, you literally watch every game. He's shooting yeah. like 50% at the rim this year. He's like one of the I worst finishers understand. in the league. But yeah. he's getting there. Exactly. Yeah, no. And that's important (laughs) no i I think malcolm brogdon has been incredible this season but when we get to the playoffs it's gonna really shine like what he is able to do what he's the best at creating his own shot is most valuable when you get to the playoffs like um, we've had him on this you know um old man injury plan and i really think it's going to pay off more so for him than, than anyone else. I wish we were doing a little bit more of that with um, with Tatum and Jalen. But he is so good at creating his own shot when when things break down, when there's five seconds left on the clock. And for whatever reason, we've done the um, press like slow motion on our offense button. And Malcolm Brogdon's actually able to save us from those from those things. And when you you look back on on last season's postseason run, like having Malcolm Brogdon throughout that postseason run, I think you. You maybe you win the Milwaukee and Heat series in a fewer, like one fewer less games, and that just gives you the juice you need to win the finals. Like he's he's so impactful. Like people talk about like not having Middleton for the Bucks last year, adding Brogdon to this mix uh, on top of still having Rob and um, and a more confident Derek White. Brogdon, I think, um, is a piece that people aren't really talking about going into the playoffs. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think we can definitely expect an elevated effort from everyone on the roster. Like we've, we've seen their best effort during pockets of the season. I, I think we're at this stage of and listening to other podcasts and reading articles from various media outlets. It seems like that's where everyone's at. Like, yes, like this is slumpy. And, you know, in Jason Tatum's case, it's a shooting slump, but he's still finding other ways to impact the game like Spoonie discussed. But like we're all pretty confident based on what we've seen this season and and, and postseasons past that like these guys can flip that switch into the playoffs. And I I think that Malcolm Brogdon, like you said there, Jake, uh, is a huge part of that. We should move on in an effort to do a podcast (laughs) under one hour. So let's start with this. Uh, Danilo Gallinari. Yes, he might. Is is it possible? Look at at this tease. Like I'll see if I can play this without glitching out our, uh, our stream here. Oh, yeah. Two hand dribble. Oh, look at Euro. that move. Look at that Euro. That's <laughs> about as quick as he moves. Maybe? Yeah. 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 <laughs> quick on. <laughs> He's looking I'm good. If, okay, say Gallo. Shout comes out to back. that guy's producer. <laughs> say, yeah. <laughs> say Gallo comes back in time for the playoffs. Do you guys trust him to play, not no. having played basketball in a year? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. 
in round one. And if it goes well, then there, there you go. You keep playing until it doesn't right. work. All right. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, Spoons? No, but I never <laughs> him in the playoffs. So. True. You were always a little anti-Gallo. In the playoff. Yeah. I mean, do you trust Sam Hauser in the playoffs? Do you trust this current version of Grant Williams in the playoffs? Grant, yes. Okay. I do. That makes me feel and Maybe that's crazy, <laughs> but he's shown up in the playoffs. Man. I, I, once. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, twice. He's good once in the Raptors series. Yeah, once and a half. I'll give you half. Um, <laughs> I, I think we're going to really need Grant to guard Giannis, uh, assuming we make it there. So I trust Grant for his limited role. I don't know what to expect from Gallo, but man, if he's playing, that offense is going to be popping. So the tweet is almost ready and then an arrow with soon under it, a basketball and a winky face. So if that's not confirmation of I'm coming back soon, I don't know what is. That's as good as a, a Woj press release that his return is imminent. Um, He's been around I mean, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that if you didn't intend on coming back soon? I, I, did, I did see on Twitter Max Lizette. Celtics Twitter, he was like on holiday and ran into some uh, girls who claimed to be like good friends with Gallo. And Reliable they source. said that he said that he's coming back this season. He might truly believe it, but like that is a different thing to actually playing NBA minutes. So that's live Woj, whatever. Random Bum. girls in Carbo <laughs> on the beach. Move over Woj. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, Kelsey, and Brittany are our yeah. new Woj. Yeah, the new media. <laughs> well, someone who I mean, I guess we should wrap that up by saying there's a there's a difference between being made active on a roster and being made relevant in a playoff rotation. So maybe we can leave it there. Also nearing a return and closer to playoff relevance. The Time Lord apparently due back any game now. Spoony, like how do you how do you want to see things played out for Robert Williams between now? There's 12 games remaining. Do you want him to throw him in there? 32 minutes again, like ramp up, or just like basically keep him on ice, bring him in as a backup big behind Al Horford and just like keep it chill. I'm I'm going full Jake. I'm going yes. full. Wrap him Thank in, you. throw him in yeah. the freezer, play him 15 <laughs> minutes a game just to get his conditioning back a little bit. Maybe one or two games for the rest of the year, you ramp him up to 30 just so he remembers what it feels like. And then ice him, dude. I mean, at this point... Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally throw him on ice. Throw him in the hyperbaric chamber. I don't care. But... um. At this point, we know even the best version of Rob's incredibly impactful for this team. So I don't I don't care if we, he doesn't get, you know, 10 games of playing 30 minutes a night. We're going to need him. We absolutely do need. So just make sure he's healthy for the playoff. I'm not even sure I'd play him in round one. Honestly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it depends who we play. But like, I'm that concerned. Look, man, it's just ticking time bomb. Like, hey, he'll be out seven to 10 days. He's been out. 12 days already like and he's out for the Portland game maybe like he's not questionable which makes me think he's potentially not playing in the next game but the fact that there's a back-to-back maybe he comes back for the Utah game that takes it to like pretty much two weeks which would be almost kind of like on the double how long they initially said which is just kind of how Time Lord injuries go outside of the one meniscus injury where it was like, you're either going to be out for six months or a month. And he was back early. You have to keep him on ice. And it's like, even in the playoffs, like 22 minutes a game, if that means you get 90% of peak Rob, like for the whole 
run versus like you you play him thirty four minutes in game like <laughs> three of of the first of the second round, and then all of a sudden he's like limping around for the rest of the playoffs. Like we can win, like Al Horford, man. Like you're just gonna have to. We're gonna have to just empty that tank. Like I don't know what to tell. Like Dial the, revs, up, <laughs> the fountain of youth. Like yeah, look, he's gonna this. If, if not now, like what are you? What are we saving it for? So mm-hmm. look, we're probably Miami in round one. No, like don't that say explore, that. That explorer dude thought the Fountain of Youth was in Florida, Ponce de Leon or whatever his name was. So there you go. We're good. <laughs> Dial it up. You're playing forty <laughs> minutes a night, Al, until round two. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. Uh, Miami in the first round is a conversation for nightmare that I need to mentally prepare myself. When for. we get closer, we will do a how scared of these playoff opponents we are, and Miami's yeah. going to be up there for me. Slash yeah, like uh, Celtics fan therapy episode, our first one for the year, which is is amazing <laughs> no, that we haven't done one no. yet. <laughs> yeah. Currently, sixty eight percent chance of getting the two seed for us, and seventy three percent chance of getting the seven seed for the same. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, They've been really, really bad. Trash. Like, they were the one seed last year. It doesn't matter, though. I know it doesn't matter, but it should matter. But they derailed us this season. Like, that's that's the turning point is that uh, really the first game, but then I think we won that game, but the second game against the Heat that we lost... Like that was the turning point that we went on to the Warriors. Yeah, we had that brutal West Coast road trip where we barely beat the Lakers in overtime. That was it. That was the turning point. So to face those guys in the postseason, I'm not going to get into it. We'll talk about it later. Um, The Blazers, we play them next. And they have lost three of their last five games, one of which was to us. And really it was our like most recently just like decisive win. I'd probably call the Hawks win a decisive win as well. Um, Spoonie, like we're going to win this game, right? Any any major takeaways for this one? I I don't trust this team, but I do <laughs> feel like I thought Missoula's game plan against the Blazers was excellent. Um, you know, it's easier to guard them without Simons out there. But I, I don't know if Simons is going to play. I don't know how badly he's hurt. But if he does, I mean, that just exposes their defense even more. They don't have any answers on the wing for both the Jays. So uh, I love how we match up against the Blazers. So I feel like we'll we'll win that one. We've had so many great wins against the Blazers over the past few years. We always play well against them. Like their defense is tailor made for Jalen to and to keep going and for Jason to kind of end the slump here. Obviously, he had that incredible game thirty points in three quarters so it'll be great to see that going again yeah they are so squishy like not a rim protector like can beat him off the dribble they've got no perimeter defense like the odds were slightly closer than i thought uh which was intriguing to me only favored by five and a half is it because tatum's questionable i wonder if that's why most likely yeah Yeah. maybe we can we can bring that up now uh, might be good to get on that number now before he plays because you know he's playing yeah Yeah. i'm not on the Celtics at the moment no um, dude (laughs) stay away (laughs) (laughs) there is the injury report danilo gallinari despite recent hype still out with the acl repair peyton pritchard left heel pain he's out jason tatum left hip contusion which we just saw a highlight of recently questionable and the time lord also still out as well so yeah maybe uh 
hesitate a little bit on, on betting on the Celtics, maybe wait for some of those uh, injury concerns to be a little bit more solidified before you choose a direction there. But uh, an NBA game Blazers, against the, the Blazers for the Celtics, it's, it's almost like a basketball sparring session, right? It just seems too easy for the Celtics based on, you know, the squishy defense and everything that you guys have already said. <laughs> so I'm pretty that. confident going to this one. Yeah. It's a shame Pritchard's <laughs> out. I feel like he shows out in Portland because it's- He does. True. Yeah. Remember that like, game no, where everybody was like full yeah. over oh, yeah. each other and yeah. he yes. may got mad. It's great. Hell yeah. All right. Finally, before we wrap up here, uh, one of the best pieces of Celtics content maybe ever was posted yesterday. The AG and Paul Pierce, the old guard- Interviewing the new guard, interviewing the Jays and Marcus Smart. Um, yeah, I guess it, w- it was filmed after they lost three straight to the Magic, the Heat, and the Knicks, but like still harboring championship hopes. Jake, I'll start with you. Like, what are your main takeaways from this interview? Like, there was a lot to glean from this. It was a lot of fun. What was the, the sort of the standout point for you? Super fun, obviously. Uh, Tatum just has no interest in this stuff, does he? I don't know. He, 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 like, it's so funny how, like, Tim Duncan, he, he is. Like, he clearly, like, is, like, part of the crew and like, plays cards and jokes around behind cameras. But once the cameras are on, he just, like, really doesn't like giving stuff away. But, um, I think my favorite part of the, of the show was when KG asked, the group and Marcus was the one who answered, but like, do you realize, do you guys realize how special this group is? Not just from a talent point of view, but the fact that you guys have all you know been together for so long. And Marcus was like, you know, it's all about these guys' ego. Just talking about Jalen and Jason and how their egos don't surpass the rest of the team. Like when when they're winning, you know, they they give credit to the team, and when they're losing, they 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 take the blame. Um, like, and just I think speaks to how underrated it is when it comes to like these guys and their maintenance as a superstar. Like these guys are so chill as superstars relative to, um, you know, other, look how many stars have changed teams. Like how, how many, you know, conference finals losses um, and then scrutiny by the national media, the the local media, like how many other situations would we not still have Jalen, Jason and Marcus together? I think that speaks, you know, for, from you know Danny Ainge to Brad down, but I think it mostly speaks to Jalen and Jason. Like there's been no trade requests or anything close to that, um, no drama, and so that we know I of. think, <laughs> yeah, with that we know of, right? Um, that was I think like my broader takeaway, and like you know we all hope that Jalen and Jason and Marcus just like stay here for their whole careers, and um, so when you hear stuff like that, that's just like fills me with with joy and relief so yeah that was probably my favorite part spoonie it's gonna be very quick i have not had an opportunity to watch it yet uh so (laughs) (laughs) it is it is very long yeah i i just i just haven't gotten to it but uh, i will say like on that point with you know tatum is part of the boys but doesn't show it in front of camera the first part when uh pierce and kg were just running around the hour back center they caught brogdon like eating lunch and he was like it's the culture man every team talks about how sorry (laughs) every team talks about how like they go to dinner and yeah yeah (laughs) every team talks about how they go to dinner and all that stuff but it's actually happening like we all actually go to dinner we all actually do stuff off the court together and that was good to hear so just please win the title this year 
Oh or next, God. I'll take that too. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take this year just because yeah. of Al Horford's extremely yeah. limited window. This year's it's got to be it for me. Um, KG and Paul Pierce asked the group, Marcus and the Jays, do you have any questions for us? And they threw to Marcus Smart and he kind of like fumbled a little bit. And Jalen Brown was like, I have a question. Like, what the fuck happened with the wheelchair yeah, yeah. finals? And like Paul Pierce went on to explain it like very articulately and, and very clearly, <laughs> almost like he's had to explain that many times in his life since then, especially since the internet got a hold of that story. And uh, it was all about, you know, I've sprained my MCL and I've, I've seen that acronym broken down since then it's like mcl is like my colon's loose <laughs> and stuff like that but uh everyone in the room was like shaking their head as paul pierce was explaining that like that bullshit no man, one was like, buying it heads. yeah which is no crazy because that's his celtics camaraderie and yet everyone's like just just admit it dude like you shake it <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious paul pierce is like my favorite player of all time so we've all been there paul come on yeah. <laughs> absolutely i i also loved when they were like um like till like you know you know when would you guys Tatum asked, how many times have you guys fought? Which I think was also like an, like, okay, because we fought, like, you know, you got the Marcus Smart throw in the chair after the bubble game. Like, I'm sure they have had a bunch. And they're talking about when they're playing the Spurs and, like, and Paul Pierce is like, you know, we're, we're, we're trapping, we're trapping Ginobili and, um, he, and, and then Matt Bonner has like 20 points in the first half and I'm walking back down the tunnel and it's like, who, who else has Bonner? And KG's like, you know damn well who has Bonner. We're trapping Ginobili because you can't guard him on your own. And then, and then, and then we, and then we leave and then we don't trap the second half because we're not helping you anymore. And then Ginobili goes off and we lose. God, and it's, it's just watching those two go back and forth, like talking shit. Like it just doesn't get get better than that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's an interview, but honestly, like usage rate wise, it's ninety percent Pierce and KG, which is hilarious. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you prefer. Subscribe to our YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. All of our socials are linked in the show notes below. And we're constantly pumping out our content on uh, to enhance your, your Celtics, your daily and weekly experience. We will be back on Sunday night live here on YouTube. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time. Peace.